You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, Allegiance of Allies, allowing alliterations about allspice and alligators. Oh, I guess that didn't really... Rhyme, rhyme, allspice alligators. Anyways, welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 122. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your troop of trivia tricksters who treasure triceratops and trixodecaphobia. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. All right. And without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hotshot. I have... Trivial pursuit cards here are randomly drawn from the box, and you guys have your morning zoo radio buzzers. You guys ready? Indeed. Answer some questions. All right. Blue Wedge for geography. In what state can you eat the world's largest enchilada? <laughs> Chris. New Mexico. Yes. Yes. Take that, old Mexico. It is uh, Las Cruces. Huh. Cruces. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Cruces. Cruces. Okay. Is the home of the whole enchilada festival. Huh. Oh, I get it. Whole enchilada. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do they, do they How have, big is it? I need to know. It doesn't say. Yeah. No. Probably pretty big. Yeah. I'm guessing every year they Yeah, get that's what I was thinking. It would get one. They've they been to... eating it since 1976. <laughs> <laughs> There's 100 meters the, left. Oh, the world's largest <laughs> freezer, too. Every year they just put it back in the freezer. Largest sheet of aluminum foil. Yeah. All right. Pink wedge for pop culture. What Michael Jackson music video was directed by Martin Scorsese? Oh. Oh. Colin. Was that a smooth criminal? Incorrect. Mm. Interesting. Dana. Was it black or white? No. Oh. It wasn't Thriller, was it? No, you guys are all wrong. It oh, is bad. Oh. The Subway oh. one. That kind of makes huh. sense. The all Gang right. Wars one, all kind right. of. Okay. And note here says it featured a young Wesley Snipes yes. as the rival gang leader. Yes, huh. it did. Yellow Wedge, who starred in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly and served as mayor of Carmel, California. <laughs> Colin. That is, of course, Clint Eastwood. Correct. And note here says, as mayor, he helped overturn an ordinance banning the sale of ice cream cones on public streets. He's getting getting, getting tough on ice cream. Yeah. Or getting soft soft on ice cream. Soft Soft serve. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that was his platform. Eastwood. Soft on ice cream. (laughs) All right, Purple Wedge. What is the name of Bilbo Baggins' magical sword in The Hobbit? Oh. Chris. Sting. Correct. Yeah. That's right. And Green Wedge for science. What animal is a... Uh, okay. Well. What, what animal is a flying gurnard? Dragon ras or lump sucker? Wait, what? Oh, 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 okay. Oh, three. Okay. What animal is a flying gurnard, dragon ras, or lump sucker? Dragon ras? Or lump sucker? Lump sucker. Is it a, is it a bat? No. Oh. Is it a butterfly? No. Hmm. Is it a mosquito? No. My guess was dragonfly. It yeah. is fish. Oh, oh, oh okay. Very cool. anticlimactic. Okay. All right. A lump sucker. All right. Orange wedge, last question. Name two of the three weapons used in Olympic fencing. Call <laughs> huh. I'll go you one better. I'll name all three. Okay. Oh, oh, There's dang. the foil. Correct. The saber. Correct. And the epée. Wow. Oh. That is a very Colin question. I would have, I would have <laughs> said kind of obscure. Classic wrong, Colin. <laughs> Foil. 
saber. An All right, good job, brains. And also, I have uh, finally some Lobe Trotter facts. Lobe Trotters are our fan club members uh, who bought a fan club package last year, and they get to submit a fact. And here I have two of them. Not a lot of people send these back. They're still trickling in, though. They're trickling they like, in. They really like the, uh, they they like the postcard. Yeah. yeah. All right, this one is a little bit long, but this one is from Erin. It was, hello, GJB. And she says... This year, Nathan Horton of the Columbus Blue Jackets became the first player in NHL history to score or be credited with a goal in a game which he didn't play. Oh. How did this happen? How did it happen? Have you heard about this, Colin? No, this this is, I'm, of... I'm intrigued. All right, so Aaron says, when the Blue Jackets played the Dallas Stars on March 10th, 2014, they took a 1-0 lead on a goal by Nathan. Uh, shortly after this goal, Dallas star Rich Peverly went into cardiac arrest in the first period. So Ooh. both teams agreed to stop playing the oh, game. Oh, okay. Um, the NHL decided to have the teams replay the game at a later date. And the NHL also decided that the game would start with the Blue Jackets 1-0 score okay. from the stop game, which uh-huh. seemed fair. Sure. Thus, Nathan Horton was credited with the first goal. However, before the, the replaying of the game, Nathan Horton was injured from another game and unable to play in this new rescheduled game. So Nathan Horton didn't even play or didn't even travel to the game because of his injury, but he still got a 1-0 <laughs> goal. And uh, that's why that he is the only NHL player to score without even taking a shot. Hmm. Technically, he did in a previous game, but yeah. not in the not the day right, when right. it finished. Yeah, yeah, not on the day the and game it's, went and final. And it's credited to him. To him, that goal. Yep, 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 yep. And Aaron uh, filled that card up. Yeah, it is a it's a <laughs> it's like it. of a novel. It's dense. Yeah. <laughs> Here I have another one. This is from Taylor, and Taylor says, "Hello, perfectly podcast people that do not pinch pretty puppies. I am a hula hoop instructor." <laughs> And so my favorite trivia has to do with hooping. And she says, the most hula hoop spun simultaneously was recorded just this year by Marawa the Amazing, who spun 160 hoops at the same time. Also, the fastest half marathon while hula hooping (laughs) was done in three hours, three minutes, 48 seconds by, quote, Betty Hoops at the Hollywood (laughs) Half Marathon on April 7th, 2012. Man. So it says, Karen, maybe you should make this your next running challenge. Maybe. Uh, I, I don't think I can do that, but I will. Is, is that time good for a half marathon? Good for someone who is hula hooping. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Taylor. And thanks, Aaron, for those lobe trotter facts. Yeah. So today's show was particularly inspired by uh, an email we got. And it's from Lieutenant Nicole Winget, who is currently stationed in Afghanistan. We actually do get a lot of fan mail from a lot of uh, people on active duty and uh, from all over, not just the U.S. In honor of all of our fans who are in the military today, we decided that in this episode, we're going to talk about the wacky facts, history, origins, weird things about military life. So you guys all over the world, we salute you.
right, so I'll get us started with with a quiz about fictional military people. Yeah. So these these people all have the word captain or commander Whoa. or admiral <laughs> um, in their names. Okay. So buzz in when you think you know the answer. Captain Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> The greatest literary hero of all time. Of all time. <laughs> Captain Crunch. Serial Captain Who Battles Evil Soggies. <laughs> Everybody. Captain, Captain Crunch. Crunch. All right. Horatio Magellan, Magellan Crunch. Crunch. What are Soggies? I didn't know soggies. that part. Soggies. He battles the Soggies. Yeah, because yeah. they're crunchy. He, right, he eats it crunchy he, in he, the he milk. Serial doesn't go soggy. <laughs> yes. yeah. Sworn yeah. sworn enemy. Oh, soggies. That's right. His enemy is like a state... Uh, a like a state, a of, state a of being. Yes, yeah. 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 Okay. It, it, it okay. does stay crunchy in milk, and it yeah, cuts it does. you. It does. Oh yeah, crunch yeah. mouth. Yep. Yep. This is a Marvel superhero. Oh, 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 oh Chris. Yeah, that'd be Captain America. Yeah. Yes. Also Captain Marvel. Marvel. Okay. Well, Captain you know. Marvel. Um, actually, I don't know. The, there's a lot of them. So. The big circle on the target. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. His two fears are the sight of his own blood and a crocodile. Oh, Karen. Uh, oh. Captain Hook. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know about the blood part. Mm. Yeah, because it's supposed to be a weird color. Oh. Mm. Of Peter Pan fame. Yeah, of yeah. Peter yeah. Pan. Yeah. Captain so. Hook from Peter Pan. Commander of the Pequod and Moby Dick. Oh. Uh, Karen? Captain Ahab. Yes. Beam me up, Scotty. Uh, Chris. Captain Kirk. Lonely Hearts Club Band. Sergeant Colin. Pepper. Yes. Oh, I like this lightning round. It's a trap. <laughs> Admiral Akbar. By your powers combined. <laughs> Chris. I am Captain Planet. He's our hero. <laughs> Gonna take pollution down to the sea. No one? Okay. <laughs> this is a popular children's novel series um, from 1997. Started in 1997. Chris. Captain oh. Underpants. Yes. Oh. oh. KFC, everybody. <laughs> the Colonel, Colonel Sanders. Sanders. He wasn't really fictional. He was a yeah, real he's, person. He's real. Yeah. yeah. And the mascot. Yeah. Like, he, right. Yeah. He, he was kind yeah. of a colonel, yeah. kind of not. He a was colonel. a Kentucky. He was colonel. a Kentucky yeah. colonel. Yeah. yeah it's, right. it's an order of. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's not like military. It was an it's honorific. Thing, it's a, right. Got it, yeah. yeah. Got it. Got it. With the wrench in the conservatory. Colonel Mustard. Colonel Mustard. Yes. From Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Chris. Whoa. Um, no, Karen. Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, Captain Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Who's my ding not even oh, counting? Oh, sorry. <laughs> what am I? What am I dinging this thing for? Colin knew it, too. Okay. <laughs> That's what a weird thing to blank on. Yeah. Make it so. <laughs> Colin. Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Yes. Oh, oh Star Trek. TNG. Yes. Yep. Picard. The Mohawked A-Team member. <laughs> Mr. T? But what was his name? B.A. Oh. Baracus? What was, what was, what's the, what's, did he have a title? Sergeant. Sergeant wow. B.A. Baracus. Mm. I, did not, I did not remember his yeah. rank. Yeah. yeah. Huh? Mascot on a brand of rum? <laughs> Everybody? <laughs> Captain, Captain Morgan. Morgan. Yes. Married Maria in the Sound of Music? <laughs> Everybody. Oh, Captain, Captain Von, Von Trapp. Trapp. Yeah. Owner of the Frying Dutchman restaurant in The Simpsons. <laughs> Oh, uh, just oh, the, geez. the sea captain, right? What's his What's, name? Oh, what is his full name? Seymour. Mm, I can't oh, remember. Man. Captain. No. Uh, what is it? Captain Horatio McAllister. Wow. Mm. Oh, also a Horatio. Yeah. Captain McAllister. McAllister. That's a good one. Yeah. A uh, character from Torchwood and Doctor Who. Karen. Captain Jack. Last name? 
I forgot. I'm blanking. <laughs> You're going to uh, kick yourself. Hold on, hold on. Jack Harkness. Harkness, yes, yes. Oh, he is pansexual. <laughs> That's right. So, just, just so FYI. FYI. That's how we got his captain's title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sailed 20,000 leagues under the sea. Colin. Uh, Captain Nemo. Yes. This is the B.I. patched shield commander. <laughs> uh, colonel Nick Fury. Yes. He's a colonel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, last one. This is a British super spy. Super spy. James Bond. Oh. What is James Bond's title? I, was he uh, Major James Bond? No. Mm. He was... Lieutenant James Bond. No. It's a British rank. Oh. Cap- Captain? Commander James Bond. Ah. Yeah. Ah. Good old Jimmy. Jimmy <laughs> Bond. Good job, you guys. That was yeah. good. Yeah. That was good. If you are the sort of person who pays attention to trivia, you always hear, oh, did you hear that such and such a thing was originally invented for the military and now, you know, mm. we use it every mm-hmm. day? That, yes, that always happens. <laughs> and so <laughs> To I answer have, my own question. <laughs> so I, would, I, I would just like to, in a bunch of mini segments with, with quiz questions sprinkled liberally throughout, oh. uh, we will talk about some items that were originally invented for military use and then people were just like, hey, this, uh, we could, we could totally use this. Uh, not in the military, too, mm-hmm. as it turns out. Happens a lot, as I said. We may have talked about some of these on the show before, but here they are wrapped up into a pretty little package just for you. So here's one that's kind of obvious. Uh, when the United States military requested during World War II a four-wheel drive, all-terrain, mm-hmm. relatively fast car automobile for reconnaissance missions, basically, oh. uh, it got the Jeep. Yes. Yeah. Right? According to the the most common explanation, or according to one explanation of where the name came from, it was an abbreviation, oh. Jeep, of what two-word phrase? <laughs> Colin. Uh, I have read many places that it was uh, one explanation for a GP, for mm-hmm. general purpose. Exactly. Oh, not Jeeper Creepers. Right. Well, <laughs> no, so here's the weird thing. Um, yes, so what they say is, oh, you know, it was a GP, a general purpose vehicle. Instead of saying GP, they started saying Jeep. Jeep. The problem with this explanation is that the word Jeep, J-E-E-P, was actually used prior to that in a lot of English slang. You know, they've kind of got it documented prior to World War II. Meaning um, what? There was, well, meaning a lot of different things, actually. There was a character in the Popeye comic strips, and yeah. this would have been very popular at the time, right, called Eugene the Jeep. Eugene he was a made-up um, uh, animal, basically. Oh, yeah. Then people, you know, soldiers would have been familiar with this. And then also, according to wordorigins.org, the word Jeep as a sort of just an all-purpose slang word, meaning that guy or that thing or whatever you wanted it to be, was already in use. And it seems like maybe it meant a foolish person, like this guy is such a Jeep. It also, <laughs> but, then, but then that becomes a new recruit in the army, like, oh, here's oh. all the Jeeps. <laughs> and then like, you know, the Jeep wagon you know what i mean like then it sort of gets applied oh, that way well you know i mean that that sort of thing basically like oh all the jeeps driving around in their jeep car that that, yeah. that kind of thing the way you say that sounds like a bad word <laughs> it does <laughs> right the more you say it like that but it kind of is it was sort of a slang like even in various like professions like there was even like in the television profession there was a certain piece of equipment that people just sort of called a jeep and it mm. had nothing to do with anything so probably wasn't the gp thing but people will often say that that's a piece of trivia and ask what two word phrase 
The microwave oven was famously invented by accident. Oh, yeah. I find this to be a a phenomenal story. Radar, which we remember stands for... Radio Detection and Ranging. Radio Detection and Ranging. (laughs) It uses small radio waves to find stuff, to locate stuff, right? So in 1945, Percy Spencer, an engineer at the defense contractor Raytheon, private company that like just primarily did stuff for the military, was working on radar systems, and he noticed something funny. He had a candy bar in his pocket, and it melted because it was getting blasted with these microwaves. And he's like, oh, it's the radio. <laughs> you know, the pocket, you know. Oh, 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 no, he, he pooped yeah. his shirt. It was yeah. what he was worried about. I thought yeah. it was in his back it's pocket. much bigger uh, problem yeah. if you poop your shirt. I pooped my shirt. <laughs> Actually, maybe it was his back pocket. I don't know. It's just his pocket. I just assumed it was up with his, oh. up in his little pocket yeah. protector with all his pencils. You know? His lab coat or something. he's a giant yeah. nerd. <laughs> so he realized that it was the radio waves doing this. So... He set something up to actually heat some food with with the microwaves to see how this would work. And I will tell you that the food that he picked, that the first ever deliberately microwaved food, it was a burrito. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. it's actually something that is very popular today to cook in the microwave. So can you guess what the what popcorn. the first it was popcorn really? was the yeah, first ever microwaved food? Yeah, or deliberately microwaved food. After that, he tried an egg and it exploded. I bet. Yeah. I've done yep. that too. Yeah. It's okay. Yes. I've done that. It's no, all right. It's fine. We've all been there. Should put a peep in there. Was yeah. the peep the third thing he put in there? <laughs> <laughs> it was a CD. Put a okay. CD in the microwave. Yeah. Um, what happens which, when you put which, a CD in the microwave? It, uh, oh. it like crackles yeah. and like sparks, like arcs of electricity. Wow. Start it's very off. dangerous. You should oh, not yeah, do that. Definitely oh, should sorry. not. Yeah. Don't will, get too excited. It will certainly not be playable after the oh, afterward. Yeah. Just just won't fit. Be advised. Yeah. So this was in 1945 that the candy bar melted. By 1947, Raytheon had a commercial version of the microwave up and running. He called it the Radar Range. It was two meters tall, weighed 750 <laughs> pounds, and cost $5,000. Wow. $1947. Wow. Uh, primarily was used for, like, industrial purposes yeah. and things like yeah. that. Yeah, it wasn't just something you'd put in your home. Duct tape. Yes. yes. Something I believe we've talked about on the show before will not surprise you. This was also invented for the military. Yes. There had been cloth tape prior to this. Sometimes it was even called like cotton duck tape because it was mm-hmm. made of the fabric called cotton duck. And and again, I feel like we've said this on Good Job yeah. Rain before. We can't say it enough. The original name is duck as in quack, the quack. bird. Quack, quack, tape. It's not duct, as in an air duct tape. Despite um, the fact that it is used and, for that. And they yeah. will, and it was used for that. They'll call it that now. Yep. But duct tape is actually not a... a yeah, it's not, an, it's not an egg corn. Right. Exactly. Not it a false really etymology. duct tape. Johnson & Johnson developed this specific invention for the military in World War II so they could seal uh, ammunition cases in a waterproof way. Now, here's the question. Duct tape had two major features that were very important for the military, and this separated it from other tapes that you could get. Number one, it was waterproof. Yeah. What was number two? Hmm. What is the other major feature of duct tape as a tool that would have proved very, very helpful in situations where you're out in the field? Is it Easy to tear. 
Yes. Yeah. That was one of the requirements. You just you, make a little hole. No, with no, your no, tooth? no. Oh, you can rip it with your hands. Oh, yeah. you can not just, that strong. You can rip duct tape in a straight line right across it yeah, using yeah. just your bare hands, and that is by design mm. because they're not like carrying scissors around with them when they need to like duct tape something or yeah. even a knife yep. is not or, convenient. Or really, or right. anything. yeah, you have yeah. To be able to just take it out, rip, put it back, tape it up. Yep. Everybody loves duct tape. <laughs> I'm eating some right now. <laughs> <laughs> Tampons! <laughs> yes! Hooray! <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, you'd be happy about this. Oh, during, yeah. world, during World War One, yeah. the Kimberly Clark Paper Company totally just separately discovered that they could, that because they make paper, take wood pulp and make paper out of that. But they discovered that if they did a, a different kind of formulation of the wood pulp, they could actually create a substance that was five times more absorbent than cotton. And they called it cellulo cotton. And cotton during World War One was kind of <laughs> scarce oh, yep. because people were bleeding a lot and they were using up all <laughs> yeah. of the cotton. And so it was like, hey, you can use this for your heavy-duty bandages. After World War One was over, they, they did find that it made really good bandages, but word started to spread because there were a lot of nurses. There were a lot of allied <laughs> nurses on, on the lines, like, you know, deployed for uh, many years. And they found out that these things were actually also really handy about once a month. They were super, mm-hmm. super handy and disposable. And available. And yeah. available. They were using them as, as a external uh, mm-hmm. feminine hygiene product. They did not, like, trumpet this from the rooftops because this is the 1910s. Yeah. It's actually still taboo <laughs> to even mention yeah. this basic biological it's fact still kind of, of life. Is. It is. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And that is actually why a lot of people say that even prior to this point, the idea of disposable feminine hygiene products had not taken root at all. Not because there wasn't a demand, but because people would not even go to a store and mention that they even had a need for this product at all. When a marketer of Kotex had a, a brainstorm... He just told shopkeepers, and and also, this was still the age before self-service shopping. You went into the store, all the products were behind the counter, and you told the shopkeep what you wanted, and they went and got it for you. Nothing was priced. You Mm -hmm. know, they told you what it was. They said, take the Kotex pads, put them on the counter, and then put an honor system box next to them. So basically, it was one of the first self-service shopping rooms. You walked in, took it, paid the money, left. No interaction with the shopkeeper wow. whatsoever. No awkward eye contact. Yeah. No, no, like nothing. Yeah. And it did really, really wow. well. Yep. And then in addition to the sanitary pads, they also would use the sell you sell you cotton substance uh, for tampon shaped feminine hygiene products. Yeah. As well. And some toys have also come out of military research. Uh, for example, in World War II, this product was invented. As the U.S. military searched for a replacement for rubber. Karen. Oh. Silly putty? Silly putty. Yes. And I have some right here. Wait, really? I do, yeah. You're supposed to keep it in the egg, Chris. Oh, it is in the egg. (laughs) It is in the egg. It's in the egg. The Japanese during World War II had actually invaded uh, many of the countries where rubber was produced. And so we needed rubber. Man, we didn't have any. And so it was this big thing. It was like... You know, lots of lots of money in military contracts if you're a chemical company and you can produce us something mm-hmm. that, you know, will work as rubber. And Silly Putty, as it turns out, totally, totally does not 
no. work as rubber in any of its many capacities. It bounces. You can bounce it on the floor. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why, I mean, after a couple of years, they were like, maybe this could be a toy because, mm-hmm. right, it, it picks up new not, picks up ink not off Not a lot the of military and, need for bouncing. Yeah. No, not so much. Not so much. And then they uh, established the first factory to create Silly Putty, as we may have talked about before, in my hometown of North Brentford, Connecticut. Where the Silly Putty Factory was located. <laughs> Everyone knows Karen that. Is why is enthralled. it skin colored? It's kinda of weird now now that it... Oh yeah, I don't know why it's I don't know why it's that color. I mean I am sure they have other colors silly putty, but the the original, I mean was... or the classic is skin yeah, color. Just classic color. Yeah. It makes me feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> I have a quote here for you guys related to military life, army life. An army marches on its stomach. Oh, you guys oh, heard oh, this quote oh, before? Oh, oh. oh okay, Chris. Oh, well, wow, I wasn't going to ask, but who to whom is this usually attributed? Napoleon? It is. Yes! Oh. Wow, Chris knows his Napoleonic quotes, yes. Uh, it apparently has also been attributed to Frederick the Great, oh, okay. but it is, so it is oh, okay. most commonly attributed to Napoleon Bonaparte. An army marches on its stomach. Mm. And the meaning of it is not they crawl around on their stomach. <laughs> right. Uh, the meaning is a, a well-fed army is a army that's prepared for battle. Mm-hmm. There's many reasons why. Not hangry. (laughs) Yeah. 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 The first non-hangry army. Right, right. And sort of in the spirit of uh, Chris and your invention segment, uh, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about how we have Napoleon largely to thank for modern canned food. Wow. Yes, yes. So, I mean, this it's still true today, but, you know, especially up through the 19th century, keeping an army well-fed was a big challenge. You know, I mean, as armies are moving across across Europe in the 1600s, 1700s, food was a big deal. I mean, there's a couple things to keep in mind here with regard to keeping an army fed. So, you know, up until up until relatively recently, you know, you could preserve food somewhat if you were an army on the move, but it was curing, you know, or salting or mm. smoking, which is which is good, but it, it only kind of suits itself well to certain types of food. You know, you yeah. can't like have a salted fruit <laughs> salad, you know, it's they could extend the life of food, but not indefinitely. The other thing to keep in mind is up through the 1800s, to a large part, traveling armies were kind of reliant on what they would find as oh. they're moving into new territory yeah. to keep themselves fed. And that might mean taking Scavenging. fruit off a tree mm-hmm. or catching your own fish or stealing food from a farm or stealing from Whoa. the local yeah. townspeople's. No, I mean, you kind of had to scrounge for, for your meals a lot mm-hmm. of times. So, in 1795, Napoleon himself announced a prize of 12,000 francs, which was a reward to Mm. the person who could develop a new, improved, better system of food preservation. And the very direct goal of this was to keep the army better fed. It's mm. like, we need food that's not spoiling. We need something that's light and portable. Oh, so, that's a contest. Yeah. yeah. What better way to spur innovation? You know, Crowdsourcing. Governments and yeah. militaries will still do this a lot. Yeah. It's also, it's expensive to have spoiled food and have people wasting time stealing off farms and doing like that. You want them <laughs> focused on the task at hand. Yeah. So it took about 15 years, uh, but eventually wow. the prize was claimed by a man named Nicolas Appert, a Frenchman, uh, 
Uh, and he was he was a confectioner and a chef. And prior to the prize being announced or the bounty, you know, he was already sort of interested in better preserving food. Like he had already been kind of tinkering with this. And so uh, so it, it took a while. But the process that he developed essentially was the forerunner of modern canning and jarring. Basically, heat the food, seal it airtight really well, boil it in the container yeah. to sterilize the food, and then make sure that it stays really well sealed. And he claimed the prize, uh, took his money. Uh, he made He patented his process. And uh, apparently he had a pretty good mind for publicity. I I've read <laughs> that, you know, one of the advantages of the glass jars is you can like, well, you can see what's inside. Yeah. So yeah. he would he was jarring and canning all manner of goods. He uh, made a, a big splash by preserving an entire sheep in a <laughs> relatively <laughs> a relatively large size jar, you know, not like a can of beans and an entire sheep in a jar. Aww. It's like, all right, well, this guy knows what Ew. he's doing. Um, and this was a big deal. It, it, I mean, it was a revolution in terms of, of army food, military food. Uh, for a long time, France was sort of the leader in food preservation technology. And what's funny is that, you know, they knew that this worked to keep food from spoiling. They didn't know why it worked because oh. this was decades before uh, Dana. You've talked on recent episodes about Pasteur's discovery, you know, playing around with wine and the sort of the antimicrobial theory. Mm -hmm. So they just knew that this kept food safe. They didn't quite know why the heat and the <laughs> sterilization and the airtight container. Right, right. From there, I mean, it was mainly you know some small changes to the process, but mainly materials improvement. I mean, you can imagine probably the biggest problem with glass jars out on a they battlefield. Break. They're going to break. Yeah. Right, going to break a lot. So you need something not quite so delicate. Uh, so yeah, in, in relatively short order, glass jars were replaced by iron canisters. From there, tin. Tin was in use for a long, 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 long time. I, I'm still, I still sometimes call them tin cans, which I must have gotten from my parents. Oh, yeah. Even though I don't think they've made tin cans in our lifetime. Oh, what is it now? Aluminum? It's aluminum or steel, okay. usually, yeah, depending on what's needed. They've moved on from tin and iron and lead, right? Mm, <laughs> yeah. Lead can. Yum, yum. Yeah, our, our UK listeners may, in fact, refer to them as... Tins, <laughs> yes, and, and as tinned food, and as and by, uh, and by may, I mean do, yes, <laughs> also aluminium, yeah. And they also say schedule, <laughs> but but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that one's we didn't talk about that word. But that <laughs> the lorry full of yeah. tins is behind schedule. Yeah. Oh, take it to my flat. <laughs> yeah. um, this is my favorite part of the history of, of soldier life with canned food. All right, so into well into the 1800s, you had canned food and out on the battlefield. There were no can openers yet. The technology was moving so fast that they went, okay, great, we got the food in this metal can. How do you open it out on the battlefield? Pull tabs. You just, like, stab it. No pull You would. You would stab it. Dana uh, was right. You would just use I've your... done that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's dangerous. I've cut myself pretty badly. It's hard. You, yeah. you really worked you for that food. super mad. It feels like you hunted it down. Like, yeah. you, you earned it, whatever. <laughs> you might just smash the can against a rock. If you were lucky enough to have a hammer and chisel, you could chisel the top off. Mm. So it wasn't until the 1850s that the modern can opener kind of came along and caught up to this need um, mm -hmm. that soldiers wow, so which had originally. First, the can or the can opener? <laughs> yeah, the can. The can, yeah. like by a hundred years, most assuredly, ah, fifty years. Oh, let's say. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, every time you now sit down to a can of green beans or whatever's inside, Aww. some small part of that experience you can thank Napoleon Bonaparte. Wow, thanks, Napoleon. Naps. <laughs> <laughs> The original Nap Napster. Nappy B. Yeah. Nappy. Nappy B. <laughs> Nappy B. In the house. All right, let's take a quick break. A word from our sponsor. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Welcome back. You're listening to Good Job Brain this week. We're talking about military life. And uh, so I grew up in a large city. I don't think I've ever not lived in a large city. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of your telltale signs of a very urban area is uh, the amount of pigeons there are. <laughs> yes. Even though maybe today we think of them as pests, pigeons did play a very large part in military history. For this show, it's fun to, to talk about how people did things without technology. And back in the day, without walkie-talkies, without any communication service, without telegrams, right. military had to rely on other things to deliver their messages. They would invade pigeons. totally the wrong country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even World War One, like it wasn't even really developed yet how to how to communicate mm-hmm. troop within troop or country to country. Even tanks. From tank to tank, they used pigeons <laughs> to send one pigeon to the other tank because they couldn't really signal. I guess they had flag codes, but sometimes it's just more efficient. And this is the thing. Messenger pigeons were very common in World War One and actually were more reliable than telegrams. Hmm. They were more reliable than telegrams? Mm-hmm. Well, I remember Man. reading it. Yeah, like just like the network of telegrams, like wires would go down, right? I mean, like the maintenance yeah. of the line was Or there was a storm. Yeah. Pigeons or... find a cup of french fries. <laughs> or like... <laughs> invade Moland. Yeah. The Moland. <laughs> Gather the troops. Yeah. 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 We'll just keep invading until we find it. <laughs> Wherever Moland is. <laughs> so let me set the scene. On October 3rd, 1918, Major Charles Whittlesey and more than 500 men were trapped on the side of the hill behind enemy lines without food, without ammunition. They're also uh, beginning to receive friendly fire from Allied troops because they didn't know that they were there. Mm. They had three pigeons. The first pigeon, uh, they had a message attached. First pigeon got shot down. (laughs) They're like, okay. So oh, they only, had, they only had three, three pigeons. pigeons. Oh, no. That's, I mean, and nothing else. Yeah. And then... This, uh, this is hitting your bandwidth limit, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just three pigeons worth of internet yeah. right now. Yeah. throttle me. The second pigeon went out. Oh, jeez. Didn't make it. Finally, the third pigeon that they called <laughs> Cher Ami, which means dear friend in no. French. Third pigeon went out, and this is their last hope. And the third pigeon, Cher Ami made it by this time the 500 men were whittled down to like 190 and man share me this pigeon became a hero she (laughs) arrived uh delivered the message successfully when she arrived uh she was shot through the breast blinded in one eye and one of her legs were blown off and like kind of just hanging but made it 
She's the like, I got a mission. The flight. <laughs> Amazing. And saved wow. almost 200 people's lives. And uh, Sherami became the hero. And it's so cute. The army medics, they, they try to, you know, fix her up. Oh. They even carved her a little leg, a little fake leg, because they had to amputate <laughs> the leg that was dangling. And they had a little wooden leg. And uh, she, she died from her injuries. And mm. she was mounted as part of, uh, you can see her at Smithsonian Institute, oh. part of the National Museum of American History, and is, is a hero. Wow. Can you imagine? Just that pigeon just went through so much. Wow. They have like the Purple Heart for pigeons or something. Oh, I think they some award, they right? Have, they do have. I hope an she award got some, for, no, some recognition. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. Know if she got okay. it, but I know that she got the hero of the. Yeah, okay. there, um, in World War II, actually, there's another pigeon called G.I. Joe. <laughs> and uh, G.I. Joe, who is a he, saved an Italian village and the British troops. And G.I. Joe was presented the Dickens Medal for Gallantry wow. <laughs> uh, by the UK and was the first non British recipient of the metal <laughs> G.I. Joe the pigeon and uh, G.I. Joe actually lived a good life 18 years old and uh, died of old age Wait, and where also, was he from? he's from the US he was uh, trained by US pigeon oh and they sent him overseas yep. exactly got yeah. it so the thing is pigeons were used on almost every side of the world wars especially the Germans World War II they used a lot of pigeons for the Germans to communicate with spies they're so good at it and it was becoming a problem. Heinrich Himmler, head of the SS, was a big uh, was a big pigeon fan, and definitely uh, developed and grew this network of of pigeons to deliver messages uh, within the Nazi Party. Hmm. The British, needing to somehow counter this network of Nazi pigeons, decided to start their own uh, bird-related military program. Uh-huh. And what they did was they trained peregrine falcons. Oh. I was going to say, where the are they? fastest animal in the <laughs> world. Pigeon eaters. Pigeon eaters. Boy, <laughs> did it work. Yeah. Oh, yeah? I, I don't even think you need that much quote training no. to train the peregrine falcons <laughs> they know to just what to do pigeon. it's kind of like uh, that nursery rhyme where like someone ate a fly and then you eat a spider to eat a fly uh, yeah. Yeah. it was just like yeah. it was like so well the we got yeah. these pigeons we need something to eat the pigeons uh, let's release these really dangerous birds out and it, mm. and it totally worked and of course with communication technology evolving uh, we, the, the use of messenger pigeons wasn't uh, wasn't really needed anymore right. so for the US at least the US army disconnected continued using pigeon as message carriers in 1957 that's still that's pretty, pretty late, late. That's, pretty that's pretty late to be yeah. dependent on yeah a you know i don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know pigeons are smart i know that but it just seems strange to to be so dependent yeah. on these birds and funny enough uh recently in 2012 uh they found a skeleton of a carrier pigeon in a home chimney huh. in surrey it was believed that the the pigeon was sent from France in 1944 during the D-Day invasion. Did it still have a message? It did have a message. It had a canister and a message, and the message as of December 2012 has not been deciphered. So, I mean, not like these pigeons just had normal messages. They're still coded. But yeah, isn't that... Oh, I love that. Like, That's the root of a great story. That's the root of a great story. But that also made me think this pigeon wasn't very good if it got stuck in a chimney. For all so these years. judgmental, Karen. So next time you see pigeons out on the street, you're like, they're gross. Just remember that back in the day, they were quite the courageous parts of the military. <laughs> <laughs> they were courageous. They cool, you see? Yeah, I get it. Oh, we get it. We all got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's how we knew how to react. That's, 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 that was a thing. 
you might say the army enjoyed using pee mail for pigeon. I like that you guys need to explain your puns to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you know a pun is good, Dana. It's, 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 it's confusing. Right, it's super it. confusing it's it has to be explained. And even after it's explained, you still don't really get it. But you just want to move on. Speaking of which... So from time to time, we uh, get questions about military branch mottos. Yeah. Oh, man. Pub trivia. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, sometimes sometimes we get it, sometimes we don't. Mm-hmm. But I, I made a quiz for you guys. I took the liberty of creating the list of the branches, so that way you guys can see it. It's, okay. I feel like okay. it would just be like this stab in the dark. We, we know should. we know some. Some of it. Some <laughs> at of best. It. Okay. Shall we, shall we read off the potential answers yeah. for the, those listening at home? Sure. So... There's the U.S. Army, the U.S. Coast Guard, the U.S. Oh, by the way, these are all U.S. ones. There's tons of military groups all over the world. They don't usually ask us about other countries' militaries, so we're just I'm just focusing on the U.S. Uh, U.S. Navy, U.S. Marine Corps, U.S. Air Force, U.S. Navy SEALs, the National Guard of the U.S., U.S. Army Special Forces, the Green Berets, and the U.S. Army National Guard. Which is different than the National Guard of the United States. They are two different groups. Okay. And there's a few other groups. so confusing! (laughs) I know. We're going to have to make a mnemonic for this at some point. (laughs) But um, I didn't put on every military branch, because some of them are just... Too obscure. Kind of obscure, or and or their motto was too obvious. Like if we heard it, we'd be like, okay, okay. That, the Rangers. Like <laughs> the Rangers go first. Who is that? The Rangers. Yeah, like, we got okay, it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll start with kind of an obvious one for you guys. Whose motto is "Aim high, fly, fight, win"? <laughs> <laughs> or is it? Are we doing this like as a team? Uh, or? Do you guys want to do it as a team or, or individual? We could oh, do we can like do a write-in. Or... We compete so much, and you know, why don't we All just right. work together? All right, this I, is okay. like a... I'm pretty guys, sure that's the Air Force. I know. It sounds like the Air Force yeah. to me. Sounds like the Air Force. It is the Air Force. That's right. Uh, how about you can? You Ooh, can. you can. This would suggest to me that it's um. Uh, trying to get people who who mm-hmm. ordinarily wouldn't, you know, maybe go in national reserve. Yeah, so mm. it could be like the the Army National Guard or the National Guard of the United States. That's not a bad. That's not a bad reasoning. Yeah. yeah so maybe in the absence of Army National, National Guard. Guard, Army National Guard, it's the Army okay. National Guard. Yes, you can. Good. Okay, you right. can. You can. Yeah. How about not self but country? And it's really in Latin. I, uh, I'll try to. Oh, I'll attempt the Latin oh. for you. Okay. Non sibi sed patrie. Non sibi sed patrie. Not self. Okay, well, yeah. I know which ones it's not. Yeah. Okay. Not self, but country. Not oh, how about National Guard of the United States? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, Let's that makes that. sense. That makes sense. It's the Navy. Oh. oh really? Yes. Huh. Random. Okay. It's not maritime based at all. Yeah. Interesting. So, not self, but country. I like this one. It's very sassy. Yeah. The, the only easy day was yesterday. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. The oh, only man. easy day was yesterday. That, I mean, that sounds Boom. like Navy SEALs or Special yes. Forces. I'm going to say Special, special, I'm gonna say forces. special forces. forces. Yeah, I like Special Forces. It's the SEALs. The SEALs. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Sassy SEALs. Yep. Yeah. Sassy SEALs. The only easy arf, day arf, was arf. yesterday. Boom. Get out of here. Don't complain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right, right. <laughs> this will defend. Ooh, this, this will defend. defend. This will defend. W E apostrophe yeah. L. We will defend. This, this will, will defend. defend. I'm gonna say the other, Post, the national, oh, the guard, other national maybe. guard. Yeah. Sure, I'll do that. It's the army. Oh, really, really? Huh. Yeah, they have like the marketing ones of 
Army be all you can be. be all, yeah. yeah. But that's, 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 that's them that, right? trying to get you to join. Yeah. Got it. I think it's yeah. Army of One now is their yeah, marketing yep, slogan. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. But, like, that's not how they okay. get their motto Different from is, the motto is, this okay. Will marketing yeah. slogan versus actual motto. motto. This yeah. will defend. Yep. Okay. Okay, all right. This will defend. How about always prepared? And their um, Latin one is Semper Paratus. Oh, Coast Guard. That's the Coast Guard. Coast Guard. Right, Coast Guard. The Coast Guard. We got this wrong before. Yeah, it's yeah. burned in my it's brain. It's not the Boy yeah. Scouts. <laughs> so, yeah, Coast Guard. My dad was in the Coast Guard. He is always prepared. That's <laughs> why he always yes. has. <laughs> yeah, we're he always ready has to rock and roll. Yeah. Band aids and pins. <laughs> yeah. uh, He's like, original. <laughs> yeah. original. If you need something good, good bet is to ask my dad. <laughs> he might have it for yeah. you. How about always faithful? That is the the Marine Marine Corps. Semper Fidelis. Yes. Yes. How about this one? Always ready, always there. Always ready, always there. Well, let's see. Who and now we can start doing the special elimination forces. game. Yeah, because it's not the army, it's not the coast. I'm gonna say, yeah, special Navy. forces sounds like it's like we'll go anywhere Green you Beret. need us. Always ready, always there. Yeah, Green Berets, maybe? No, I'm gonna go with uh, uh National Guard of the United States. Okay. Why? Because I think think that that's their motto. <laughs> you are right. You are ah, right. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking it was like um, they're maybe in the United States or they're like wherever. Ah, uh, right. okay. Wherever you are. We're, yeah. we're By definition, yeah. we're there. Yeah. Yeah. We are yeah. always ready. We're always there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Well, maybe it's obvious now from uh, process, process of elimination. It is to liberate the oppressed or to free from oppression. Oh. The Latin one is uh, de oppresso liber. Hmm. The U.S. Army Special Special Forces and or Green Green Berets. Berets. Yeah, they liberate the oppressed. All right. That is their motto. Mm -hmm. Stylishly. (laughs) And they (laughs) look good doing it. That's right. (laughs) Good job, you guys. Yeah, we need to figure out a way to, like, always remember this, not lose Mm -hmm. any more points. We just need dumb stories. If we just learned, like, one or two each time, eventually, yeah. We get there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra themed content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. And we got one last quiz segment. Is it on topic or is it off topic? It is on topic and on point. So we have talked many, many times on the show before about abbreviations, acronyms, and of course, portmanteau words. You know who loves abbreviations, acronyms, and portmanteau words? Colin. (laughs) <laughs> the military. Oh, they love them, love them. Mm-hmm. In the course of doing research for this quiz, I came upon 
way more than I could ever possibly hope to quiz you guys on. The Army, the Navy, the Marines, Air Force, they, they love them. They love them. And a lot of these uh, have worked their way into normal everyday use, of course. You know, I mean, we almost use them without thinking that they, oh, this had a military meaning at one point. So the format of this quiz, which I will call From AWOL to FUBAR, mm-hmm. is oh. I will give you an abbreviation, acronym, or portmanteau, common or derived from the military. You tell me what it stands for, where it came from. Okay. So, for example, if I were to give you a wall. Absent without leave. Correct. That's it. Uh, you're off the base or you're somewhere where you're not supposed to be and no one gave you leave to be there. And I'll give you some hints as needed because to my knowledge, no one here has ever uh, been on active duty anywhere in the world. <laughs> no. It's true. No. If you say someone is MIA, what does that mean? Uh, Dana. Missing in action. Correct. Missing in action. We talked earlier in the show about G.I. Joe. I'm sure you guys have heard G.I. many yes. times. Mm-hmm. G.I. Joe, the G.I. Bill, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, just G.I.s in general. What, popularly, does G.I. stand for? Wow. Yeah. Chris. No just idea. General Infantryman? No. <laughs> oh. No. Dana. General Issue? Uh, I will accept General Issue. Oh, the, yeah. the most common accepted uh, abbreviation is Government Issue. Government mm. Issue. You will often yes. see General Issue. It seems like, and I found several sources on this that agree, originally GI came from World War One era and stood for Galvanized Iron. Whoa. Which would have been stamped on military-provided yep. hardware. Oh, and through several layers of extension, it of- came to mean something that was... Supplied by the government, government issued, eventually... Basically, basically a game of mansplaining telephone. (laughs) Nobody wants to admit they don't know what it stands for, so make it right up. I like that. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and, you know, eventually it came to apply to the soldiers themselves. Mm -hmm. We are the GIs. We're government issue. Right. We'll talk a little bit about some equipment and weapons and vehicles that we may see in military theaters. What... You may know this from video games as well. What is an RPG? An RPG... (laughs) Karen. Uh, Karen? A range projectile grenade. You got one of the words right, Chris. How about, how about a rocket-propelled grenade? It is. Oh, or a, a role-playing game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. You, you, you may see both types of RPGs in Army Line. Rocket-propelled games, grenade. Yeah. Rocket-propelled yeah. grenade. Yeah. If you're talking about a vehicle that has VTOL capabilities, what does this mean? What type of vehicle? VTOL. VTOL. You might see these kind of vehicle, Karen. Take a guess. You want to finish your sentence? Oh, you you might see these kind of vehicles on an aircraft carrier. Um, Uh, Variable terrain off land. A a helicopter would fall under this category of vehicle. A VTOL is a vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. Nice. And this is, as you can imagine, very handy in uh, warfare. Places where you may not have a lot of space to land and or take off. So helicopters, of course, are vertical takeoff and landing. But the probably... What else? So the the most famous would probably be the Harrier jump jet. Have you ever seen one of these take off? It's really cool. If you can go online, you can just Google... Oh, they have the circles and then it's a jet. Uh, there's also the Osprey, which is, I think, what might yeah. be you're thinking of. The Harrier is really cool. It looks like a normal jet, but it can basically direct its thrust downward. Oh. So it can just kind of hover straight up yeah. and then fly away. Oh, like, like a... in True Lies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or in America. Yeah. Just like in True Lies. <laughs> As a member of the armed forces, the least stressful part of your day may involve an MRE. What is an um, MRE, Chris? That is a meal ready to eat. Yes, yeah. that is right. Note that I said least stressful, not most enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
What does an EOD team do in the military? If you send in the EOD team, and I'll give you a little hint. An EOD team was prominently featured in the movie The Hurt Locker. Oh. Dana. Explosives and ordnance devices? <laughs> so oh close. It is. Explosives. Oh, you're right. You're right there. You're right on it. An EOD team is an explosive ordnance disposal. Disposal. Team. Yeah, like a, a military bomb disposal unit. I'm proud basically. I knew the word ordnance. I have seen Hurt Locker. <laughs> Most nations' navies use uh, special abbreviations to denote their ships and set them apart from other countries' ships. So I have a couple quick ones here for you. So tell me, on an American ship, this is two-parter. Ah. On an American ship, what does the USS stand for? And on a British ship, what does the HMS stand for? Yeah. Is it United States ship? It is. <laughs> yeah. United States ship. Oh, yeah. sweet. And then it's uh, Her Majesty's ship? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> And the beauty of the H- I just it, I mean it sounded so it's like well clearly it's <laughs> yeah. the United it's States yeah. ship. Yeah. Well can't yeah. they tell it's a ship just by looking? No. And the beauty of the HMS system is that it doesn't matter whether you have a king or a queen because him and her it'll yeah. just switch to his majesty's yes. ship. Right. Currently right. it's her majesty's ship in the British Royal Navy, yes. <laughs> Alright, and lastly we will close out here with a couple of Acronyms that both date to World War II uh, rather quickly made their way into general use. Huh. And I remind you, this is a clean podcast. Yes. So yeah. please feel free to vocalize uh, your answers as needed to make them sure. family sure. friendly. Okay. Yep. Uh, first one, please tell me what is and what does it stand for? Snafu. Uh. Karen. Situation normal, all Fudged up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll accept fudged or fouled. Okay. Yeah. Fouled. As I'm sure you can imagine, it was not the word that would actually be yeah. set out in the field. No. Yes. A snafu when something goes wrong. It was fart. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Situation normal, meaning all fouled up. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And last one. As we said, we're going from AWOL uh. to FUBAR. <laughs> please, please tell me what does FUBAR stand for? <laughs> Dana. Fudged up beyond all reason. Yeah. Chris. Uh, fouled up beyond all recognition. recognition. Uh, most commonly, it will be yeah, fouled up beyond all recognition, beyond reason, beyond repair. Uh, all yeah. all acceptable uh, uh, substitutes for the R in foobar. Yes, good job, guys. <laughs> I'm shipping you out tomorrow. Oh no, I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not gonna survive. I've got some MREs. All- I got MREs and pigeons. You're ready to go. <laughs> we got all the acronyms though. We got all the acronyms in place. You did. We're ready. Yeah. <laughs> that's ni- that's 99 percent of basic. I think they're more than what we talked about. (laughs) Guess what, Sarge? I memorized all the acronyms. Yeah. And I got a peregrine falcon. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that is our military show. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you guys, listeners, for listening. I hope you learned a lot about about fictional captains, war inventions, and peregrine falcons and whatnot. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Audible, at audiblepodcast.com slash goodjobbrain. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. 
The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.